So my name is Andrew Valentine. Um, I am a visual artist, an audio visual artist, and a musician. And I also create art scenes in Japan. But I'm also secretly a salary man. So that is what I do here. Okay, so could you tell me about your like uh, artwork first? And how did you get interested in the artwork? Um, like basically art? Sure. So what I got interested in art is or at least creating art is um, I've had friends in New York who a lot of them were painters or they were musicians and I gained a lot of inspiration from them uh, but I never really learned to paint. I had a lot of friends who would go to design school or art school and I learned a lot from them about art and what making art is. So uh, I also had been making music since around I was 16. Um, so I kind of have those experiences but uh, after meeting some of my friends in New York, I really um, decided to start making digital art because I don't really know how to draw. I can't really draw, uh, but I really enjoy colors and I really enjoy photography um, and I really enjoy kind of making the images uh, in my brain um, that either are triggered by music or, or my experiences. So I had to gather all those experiences together uh, and kind of make you know, audiovisual work and also just visual work. Um, I guess the last thing too is um, with what I make now is uh, I have a friend named Toru, Izumira Toru, who's kind of like my mentor. And I met him in uh, New York. He is currently in Tokyo. And he was a big influence on me on learning how to make digital art, which is what, what I kind of make. I use the computer as a tool to uh, make art zines or make audiovisual performances, so. So you're living the, you. You used to live in the U. Actually, so, yes. So, oh, okay. Let's, no, no, uh, yes. Start with uh, your, like, a China food. Sure. Like, you're, like, a young age. Sure. So, uh, I'm born in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's in the middle of America, home of Miles Davis. That's how I like to say, say to people, because most people are like, where's Missouri? And I'm like, yeah, well, we had Miles Davis. Um, I went to, so I went to high school there as well. Uh, they actually had Japanese class in my high school there. And so, I took Japanese there. Um, for a few years. It wasn't that serious of studying. I actually remember when I was uh, taking tests sometimes, the kanji tests were, were too hard, so I'd cheat sometimes. I'd, I'd roll my leg up and I'd write the kanji on my leg, but now I can read it all for real, so it's okay. Um, then after that, I went to college in New Jersey and uh, I studied international relations there. I studied Japanese and Chinese as languages, so I kind of can speak Chinese. Uh, but after the Lehman Brothers shock happened, um, all the people who were studying diplomacy couldn't find any jobs and I didn't really know what I was going to do anyway. So I switched to IT as a job and uh, I was in New Jersey at the time. I was living really close to New York City. Uh, I was living in Jersey City, which is really easy to get to New York. It's like a 20 minute train ride or bus ride. And at that time, uh, I, would, I was working at this life insurance company that worked a lot with Japanese um, companies. They were buying actually Japanese life insurance companies. Um, it was a, like a big business thing for them. So I would talk to these, I would be talking to these Japanese companies in my substandard Japanese, but still good enough to communicate. And while I was doing that, I was going into New York City, um, making friends, learning how to be more social at parties. I was a pretty shy person, even in college. Um, so I would go to, to these parties and meet a lot of artists and just kind of learn a lot about all different types of people. So it was a really good experience for me. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, when I was living uh, in that area, I made a lot of friends from both Japan and China. Uh, and then my Japanese friends really 
were cool with just letting me speak bad Japanese to them and helping me get better at speaking Japanese. So by the time I came here, I was uh, I wasn't fluent, but I was close. So that's that was kind of like my journey up to this point. Yeah. So you're already interested in like a Japanese or right, like a Chinese back in college. Yes, maybe even before then. Um, okay. I think especially Japan has soft power. The soft power of Japan's culture is is really strong even nowadays. And I mean, I liked playing Nintendo video games when I was growing up, right? You know, I played, my mom gave me a Game Boy when I was five. I was playing Kirby on my Game Boy when I was five. So I was kind of playing um, games up until like college. Um, so that's, uh, was my first kind of exposure to Japan. Um, also, when I was in high school, I, I did a homestay uh, in Japan. So I actually, so I won a scholarship and I did a homestay in Tokyo for two months and I actually went to school here. Um, and that had a, a huge influence on me on, at that time I could not speak Japanese to, in any meaningful way. But at that time, I, I basically was able to come see a completely different kind of country to mine. Um, and that had a huge influence on me on continuing my studies. So when I entered college, I was really focused on learning language uh, and my, the, the way my interest in Japanese culture kept going was uh, I was meeting these artist friends who are Japanese in New York City and kind of learning from them. I was reading a lot of Japanese books in Japanese and forcing myself to learn the kanji, which was really hard, but honestly, it's worth, it's worth it now. Um, and also, I really liked Japanese music. There's a lot of instrumental bands like uh, Toe and Mouse on the Keys from Japan and also Boris, who I, I really liked. I still like those bands. Uh, that just influenced me to keep my interest in Japanese culture going past just, you know, like video games and some of the anime I liked when I was a younger kid. So I think that's probably what, what kept me going to learn Japanese and keep living here. Okay, cool. That's awesome. And uh, I'm really curious about, like, uh, have you tried to meet like, Japanese people in like, New York or... Because uh, I feel like it's kind of difficult to find like Japanese people yeah. in other country, right? Right, so actually, it's really funny. So the first Japanese, friend I made was, I mentioned him uh, earlier, but his name is uh, Izumita Toru. And basically I went to an open mic night in New York to play my music. And I was just at the open mic night. There weren't many people there. And I just heard someone speaking Japanese. And I was like, someone's Japanese here. So I, <laughs> I went up to him and I just started speaking Japanese to him. And at first, and he's one of my best friends. I've known him for eight years now. And he, he just thought I was like a anime mania or something like that. Uh, but uh, we got to become real friend, uh, good friends. And through him, I met a lot of Japanese people in New York uh, who lived in like Queens. Um, a lot of people who are artists in that community. So yes, but it, I would say even in New York City, um, it was pretty difficult to find Japanese people. And I think just my theory, but I think it's a pretty nice country in Japan. So I understand that not that many people want to leave. Like it's pretty comfortable living here. So that's my theory is like, that's maybe that's why it's difficult. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> then you decided to come to Japan right. to live, not as a tourist, right? Right, right. So let me, like, uh, you talk about that? Sure. So there was, so I think the main reason was at my job, I, I wasn't really doing anything too interesting. Um, and in, in, in New York, right. I, I was working at an insurance company and I was using my Japanese, but I didn't, I wasn't really growing at the company or that much as a person at a certain point, I'd say. So I kind of figured I've studied this language. I'm, I'm not fluent, but I'm almost fluent and I'm confident in it. And, um, I do have it skills. So 
I was like, okay, let's, I'm 20, I'm about to turn 26. Let's just do something interesting with my life. Like, let's do something cool, take a risk. So I came to Japan when I was 26. I, I started working at a, a cryptocurrency company in Osaka. Uh, and I lived in Kobe and I worked in Osaka. Um, so after working at that company for three months, um, the company got hacked and lost $60 million. You can probably look it up. It's not one of the big famous ones, but um, my company basically failed because of that. We got bought by another company. Uh, I worked some a contract job in Osaka. Um, actually, um, before that contract job, um, during the cryptocurrency hacking, I actually, the police interviewed everyone at our company, including me. So I've been interviewed by the cybersecurity police of Osaka for two hours. And you know, I didn't do anything. Uh, but they interviewed everyone. It was just funny being in a room, being able to respond in Japanese to all these questions. So I remember, so the Osaka uh, police headquarters is right by uh, Osaka Castle. It's right in front of it. So I remember just walking out of the, uh, after my police interview, walking out of the police headquarters, seeing Osaka Castle, and I'm like, I'm fluent in Japanese. No one can ever say I can't speak Japanese because I just did that for two hours. So that was a good experience. <laughs> That's a pretty good experience. Uh, yeah. It's a good experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah it could have been bad, but nothing. They were just like, well, did you send this email? I was like, yes, I sent this email. Uh, but anyway, so after that, yeah, after that, I um, worked a little bit as a contractor, uh, IT engineer, and then I moved to Tokyo, um, to work as a project manager, and then I recently switched jobs to be a project manager. So that's kind of like my journey throughout Tokyo. Yeah, that's a rough. Journey. It was rough. It was rough. Um, it's weird calling your parents three months after you moved to the country and saying, "Hey, mom and dad, my company failed." Uh, when I'm in a Tully's coffee or something. So, <laughs> um, and it's interesting. So right now we're in Yogi Cohen, um, and there was when that company failed, um, the company that bought us had like Bonenkai in a multi-sando. They're like some fashion investment company that bought us. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but um, I stayed in an Airbnb around here. And I remember walking around here thinking, oh, maybe it would be awesome if I could live here. And now I live around here. So it's, it's honestly really, it's kind of cool. I'm kind of living my Tokyo dream right now. So it feels really, I feel really motivated and happy every day I wake up, honestly. So it's been a crazy ride, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And then, First time to come here is a Tokyo, right? Yes, I mean, that's like, right. Uh, to stay at home, and then you, but you uh, picked the job in the Osaka. That's right. Yes. So. Why, how come? Oh, that was just, it was kind of like the job opening that seemed the most interesting to me because um, I was going to be working with basically pro uh, engineers overseas in the United States. Um, and also they were able to like find an apartment for me and you know, help me set up my bank account, things like that. That, thing, that stuff is really hard. I've, I've had friends who have come for jobs here who are Americans who they don't get that support finding their apartment or opening a bank account. I just had a conversation with my friend the other day about how hard it was to open his first bank account. So uh, that was part of the reason too. And it was interesting when I realized I was going to live uh, in Kobe and work in Osaka, I was like, okay, Kansai Ben, I have to kind of learn that. And I watched YouTube videos for a week and I realized it's not that different actually. It's like, yo is day and things like that. It's really just kind of you replace things. So I thought, yeah, that's pretty much why uh, I ended up living there. Uh, I enjoyed my time living in Kobe uh, and working in Osaka. I think Kobe is a really underrated city. Uh, it's not as fun as Tokyo, don't get me wrong. Tokyo is a lot more fun. But um, especially in the art community, it's, it's, like, it's like a family almost because there's not as many people and there's only a few spots that people make art. But you get to know everyone and um, everyone kind of 
goes really hard on the kind of art they like to make. And if they're staying in Kobe, I mean, people might want to be popular, but they don't really care. I think they just really care about the art they're making and they enjoy living in the city of Kobe. Um, also being close to the ocean and just kind of the vibe of the city is really nice. Um, I think about moving back there sometimes in my future, you know, maybe not, not now. I enjoy living in Tokyo, but maybe when I'm like 40 or something, um, I think about moving back there. I really enjoyed my time yeah. there. I have a friend, like, I've never been to Kobe, but I have a friend, like, uh, similar to Yokohama. Have you been to? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Like it's like small Yokohama, Yokohama maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's go back a little bit uh, to your art style. Sure. And, like a story. So could you tell me about your, like, uh, playing instrument, like a music kind of story? Sure, sure. Uh, and, uh, sure. So basically, um, when I was 14, I heard the Ramones and I heard the White Stripes and I was like, I want to play guitar. So um, I started playing guitar in high school and I liked metal at that time a lot too. So I was playing a lot of guitar. Um, I didn't really join any bands in high school, but what I did do is there's a do-it-yourself punk scene in my hometown. And what I would say that really means is like people would set up shows at not like a live house or something, just kind of random places or smaller places. And there's no alcohol, it's pay $5. And it's just local bands and no no one famous just playing their music and it could be really experimental. Um, so basically uh, in these DIY shows, people would come and just play music. It's all about the music and you pay $5, there's no alcohol, you know, I'm 16. I, I'm not supposed to drink. I, I did not drink actually in high school. I, I promised mom and dad. Uh, and um, we, <laughs> we basically, it's just all about the music. So that really influenced me. I, I was seeing all my peers around me or people who are older than me, adults, right? Making art and music in front of me. And because, you know, it's this environment where no one's going to be popular. People are playing crazy kinds of music that will never be mainstream. It had a huge influence on me to just make the kind of music I want. So. Um, that was a really good experience for me, and it still influences me now. Um, so I started making electronic music when I was 17, 18. Um, I basically downloaded Ableton Live illegally. I bought it, Ableton, I promise I own it now. Uh, but back then I, I downloaded it, and um, I started just making electronic music. I remember I made an album about my friends. I made an album, and it was like each song was about one of my friends at the time. And I just slowly started, kept doing that, um, even uh, when I went to college. Uh, when I went to college, I played drums in some bands um, and I kept making electronic music. Then when I, I was out of college, um, I would play in New York sometimes. And usually those shows would be, um, I write electronic music and I play my bass live, which is pretty much what I do to this day. Um, and I collaborated uh, sometimes with my friend Toru to play live shows. He would make the background visuals sometimes. Um, and I would play in Manhattan and Brooklyn um, and while I was doing that, I was learning piano actually after college. I really enjoyed jazz music in college. I, I, I really um, opened myself up to it. I really enjoy that style of music now. And I really wanted to learn to play piano because I thought it was the jazz piano was the coolest. I recognize now how hard it is. Um, going to Japan, I kept playing. I would play in Kobe, uh, my electronic set with my bass live. But I also joined a jazz band as the piano player and my band members are way better than me. They're all way more talented than me, way worked, you know, have a lot more experience than me. But I was able to play one jazz show um, where um, I, I played, I think I played pretty well for how, how much years of experience I had. And I realized after that show, I was like, okay, if I want to be good at jazz piano, I need to practice two hours a day, two, three hours a day. And I'd already practiced an hour a day after college 
almost every day. And I was like, I can't do this. So I kind of dropped piano. I was like, I did kind of a life achievement. I played a real jazz show. Um, I played drums for a little bit in Kobe uh, in some rock bands. And now in Tokyo, the, the main thing I do is, um, is I still write my electronic music, but now I, I make my background visuals, which is, I think, uh, the thing that's most interesting to me is the, the, the combination of the audio and visual uh, components. Sometimes it's auto-reactive, sometimes it's just a pre-made video that I made for these songs. Um, so that, that's the main thing I do live with music. Um, so I'm really influenced by, I really enjoy hip-hop. I really enjoy East Coast hip-hop um, from like New York, pretty much. Uh, I really enjoy jazz music. I like bebop era, like the 50s and the 40s the most. Uh, if someone's singing, I don't really want to hear it, usually. I want to just hear the music. Uh, and I really like um, electronic music, so things like Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, who he plays his bass live to, kind of like I do, but he's crazy. Um, I have been into making music for such a long time. I'm 31 now. Uh, I really am starting to enjoy more the visual art side of things. Like, the visual art I make is what I really enjoy. So I'm actually beginning to shift into making... Um, books uh, where I have my visual art inside the book and uh, I'm also starting to write inside the books too so I'm starting to do something completely new for myself that it's really enjoyable it's it's uh, I've been doing music for a while so I'm kind of moving sl slowly moving away from it but still doing performances I'll be performing two two or three times next month so uh, it's fun there's a lot of fun things I get to try um, that I'm trying to do to really find out what kind of way I like to express myself. So, all right, that's interesting. And then uh, I'm really curious about like uh, when you're 17, maybe. Yeah. You, the first time to go like to like a, a show, right? Right. So it sounds really too scary for me. Uh -huh. So how? What kind of like mindset did you have at the time? Like, oh, we I, like uh, is it like oh, we could we can do that. Like I can do that. I can do that. Like, that kind of stuff. Like a uh, as a young yeah kid. yeah well i think there's two things so one thing about being kind of like scared to go to a punk show when i was 14 like i definitely had an experience there was this band no one knows who they are and they're called benedict arnold in st louis and um i just remember i'm 14 i'm at this place called the creepy crawl in st louis it's kind of like a whatever punk venue and i just remember they start playing everyone starts going crazy and it's like a mosh pit it's the first mosh pit i've ever been on and i'm not that big at that time i'm 14 i get like leveled onto the stage like i don't really i think someone just checked me and i just flew on the stage and i was like wow that was awesome like, this is so cool and i think that 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 kind of got me over being scared of anything i guess at like a show or anything like that but also being in that environment, after the people are done playing, you talk to them and you realize they're just like you. They're just, they're just human beings and they're just on the stage and they're above, they're elevated above you for a little bit. But that was a really big thing for me. You know, there's a lot of art galleries and I think it's actually a huge difference actually in Japan versus America that I've noticed in terms in the art world, the music world is, and sometimes it's not always this way, but most of the time there really is that joge uh, kanke, like the hierarchy, even in the art scene in Tokyo where there's kind of like a senpai kohai element to oh you like you have to pay your respects and you have to talk in a certain way to someone who's more well established or something but in America I never I never felt that even in New York like who would there uh, I can't really remember the name right now there's a really famous electronic musician who's American who after the set I just talked to them for like 10 minutes and it, it was fine and I feel like there's kind of more of that hierarchy here means you kind of have to go about it a, a different way um, but I think that's those are the 
kind of when I was younger, I learned, those are the two things I learned is don't worry, like shows are not scary. Like it, nothing bad's going to happen to you most of the time. And then, um, yeah, mo artists are people just like you. And I think that's, that's kind of like uh, something I incorporate into my idealism about how I go about my art. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Actually. <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, kind of like young, I was uh, really like, uh, you know, scared to do something. So, kind of like the same as well. Like, I, not like uh, related to like Japan. Not really, yeah, specific in Japan, but like uh, most of like young people are really like scared to do something new, to explore. Maybe in Japan, we like tend to, uh, to avoid like uh, something, you know, we tend to like avoid like fail. Mm -hmm. So that's why, yeah, I like that kind of mindset. And uh, I want young people to challenge more in here, especially. So do you like uh, realize that kind of like personal like differences between Japanese and then, not like the American, but like uh, other countries? Well, I, I just, I think I understand that Japan's a more risk adverse country. And in, in the way business is done, art, I, I don't know, I don't know about art, but I, th I just think in the way things are done, it is more risk adverse, just from my experience. But there's good things that come from that as well. I think that's why this is such a nice place to live sometimes, uh, is really only making the cha changes to things when everyone is really in agreement with it. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I, I guess from my, my culture, like fa failure is seen as bad, but it's also seen as a good thing. I think, it, you know, as, as a growth opportunity, and that's the way I think I try to live my life is, I mean, my, the first thing I came here for, I, it failed, right? Like the first job I had in Japan, it failed. Um, I've tried to do a, a few different projects with music and art that like never became popular. And it's not a really big deal. I'm just going to keep trying. Um, I, I've, I've switched my job multiple times in this country just to figure out really what's the right thing for me. So it is really different. Um, I think... I mean, I think I prefer being able to take risks. I mean, you only live once. It's really important. Uh, but I'm also, I'm not going to, I understand risk being risk adverse as well. I, I can understand that perspective in, uh, in the lifestyle. And I don't, it's not something I'm going to change Japan or anything like that. It's just the way it is. So, yeah. What is like an impression of Tokyo, not like Japan? Just Tokyo? Yeah, and then before coming here and after. So when I worked in Osaka, I always thought I don't want to go to Tokyo. And the reason was I w would think about the train, the rush hour traffic train. I was like, that sounds like hell. That sounds like my version of hell. And I don't want to be a part of that. Um, but eventually I did come here. So my impression of Tokyo before was that it's a really work-based culture. And it's all about work more than anything. And now that I've come here, my impression is it, I, like confirmed, I'd say. My, it's a very... It's a very worked culture, but at the same time, I think a lot of people, especially creative people, work really hard here. There's a lot more opportunities to do creative work uh, here. And also, I came right when Corona started. So, like, the trains were pretty empty then, you know. So, <laughs> the trains were empty then. And then I'd say even after, you know, kind of now, I guess almost three years later, um, there's less people on the train. I can work remotely a lot, a lot more people in Japanese companies can work remotely. So I think the trains aren't as crazy. So that's part of it. Um, and I'd also say my, my biggest impression is there's so many people trying to do so many different things. Like this city is huge. Like, you know, I, I lived in the New York area and I thought New York was huge and it is, but Tokyo is, is really another level. I, I've, I've been to 
SkyTree before, and when I went to SkyTree, I was like, wow, this place is a lot bigger than I thought. So I guess that that's I my impressions of Tokyo were confirmed when I came here. Nothing really changed, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Which is good, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then. I'm really curious about like art and music, not like industry, but like a style in Tokyo, like uh, sure. how different from like other countries. Sure. So I get my impression of doing art and music in Tokyo is that, so I'm not a DJ, but I, I have a lot of friends who are in the DJ community and it's how I meet a lot of different um, visual artists or musicians. And for example, the DJ community, it's like very, we play techno. We play house. We play tech house. It's like, we play disco. And it's like, there's, it's, I think it's starting to change a little bit, but in basically people kind of stay in their own communities, which I think is really interesting. There's a lot less crossover. I think it might be starting to change. Um, I think also with art, from what I understand, I think modern and like more contemporary art, before, from what I understood from my friends, it wasn't as popular, but now it's starting to really take off. Um, a lot of people also try to make digital art with NFTs and things like that, which I'm not that into, but it's like it's really big, I think, in Tokyo, really big thing. You can walk around um, Shibuya and they'll have like Neo Shibuya or all these other places who just on the screens will play NFT stuff, which is interesting. Like, I don't really, maybe they have that in New York. I haven't been there in a while. Um, but the community wise, I think you kind of, there's so many different little communities and families because there's the, the cities so big so i think you kind of have to pick and choose the ones that a you kind of show value that you're making some similar work that brings value to that group and then make sure you can kind of flourish in that community so i'd say like the, the community i am a part of right now it's my friend uh toru who i've mentioned before um he runs a collective called public visuals and he invites people from all around Japan and also like Korea and other countries to come and do audiovisual performance. And that's kind of the community I participate in because the people who make the work there, they're, they're insanely talented. Um, and I always learn something and, uh, being, uh, he is always setting up different kinds of performances and exhibits that are really interesting to me, even if I'm performing or not or participating or not. So, um, I think it's really about, and maybe it's like this in a lot of places, but I think Tokyo specifically, because people kind of stick to really what they like, there's not as much crossover. It's about making sure you find what you like, to, the community that does what you like to do, showing your value to that group and then join, trying to join that group. That's kind of what my lesson has been here. Yeah. So in New, in New York, it's, uh, there's more of a crossover. I, I'd say music wise, for sure, for sure. There's a lot more crossover. You could go to any kind of show and hear a lot of different types of music. I'm just talking about DJing, I guess, when I say that. But that that's my impression of DJing. And art as well, um, from some of the exhibitions I'd go to, there was a lot more crossover. And I guess the last thing, too, is and there's, like, no political anything in art in Japan. Or at least as far, I mean, you might see some stickers riding around Shibuya. You might go to, like, one or two art exhibits where it's, it's anti-patriarchy or um, something like that. But I'd say in general, like in, in a place like New York, a lot of art is very political. And it's interesting being here where it, it's not like, it really is not like that. I'm not saying it's not, I'd say 95% of the time, there's really like no political message in a lot of people's arts. It's like more just the self-expression. I don't, I'm not even saying that's good or bad. It's just really interesting. That, that's actually something that 
it didn't surprise me. I kind of expected it, but um, it, was re- it was really interesting. Um, I really like Beat Takeshi. He's one of my uh, favorite Japanese, like, famous people. And I read a book by him called Bakaron. And he talks in that book about how, like, in America and England, like, you can make fun of the president, you can make fun of the, the queen, but in Japan, no one makes fun of the emperor. And basically what I got from that is, like, in, in self-expression in Japan, it's really hard to do something political. And so I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. So, yeah. And then we are kind of like creative people, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah. like we are doing like making something new. And, uh, and then I'm thinking like uh, we kind of like need some input. Like we have to like uh, go like see other people's work. And like it was some, for me, like it was some YouTube videos are really like a good input for me to make like, some like a next contest. So that you know, environment is also really important for creative people, right? So uh, this kind of like uh, environment, uh, which means Tokyo, right? Uh, and like uh, influence you like uh, in a creative way. Yes, it, hugely. Uh, it's a it's a map. I mean, obviously because I'm in Tokyo, it, it's gonna have influence on me. But I, like, it really has a huge influence on me. Um, and I live near Shibuya. I just take walks in Shibuya. I just. There's n- I've never lived anywhere like this area. And I'll see people like crouched together, smoking cigarettes in a parking lot or drinking on the sidewalk or people doing nampa or people like just laughing in just like huge groups of tourists. And I just see like what the way I think about it is it's like this controlled chaos. Like Tokyo is, is a really safe city. It's a really safe place, actually. And there's all this chaos going on inside it. But it's like controlled where it's, it's OK. It's like you're probably going to be fine. Um, and that has a big influence on me. Um, I just seeing how all these people are coming to this place in Tokyo specifically um, from other parts of the world um, in other parts of Japan. And most people, they're coming here kind of like it's New York. Like most time they have a dream of something they want to do or they want to improve their life. So they, they're coming from somewhere else, kind of like what I did in America or even here. Um, so it has a huge influence on me, especially with um, the architecture of the city. Um, I think Japanese architecture and some of the way they build the large buildings and how the city looks is really fascinating, especially being from somewhere that St. Louis is a city, but it's not nowhere close to um, being like Tokyo. And also when I lived in the New York area, the architecture and just kind of the shape of the city is so different. So when I'm taking pictures or video to you is use in my visuals for my songs, that's what has a huge influence on me and kind of what I talked about before, just like watching people live their lives in so many different ways out here. Um, that's really influencing my writing and just like the, also the feel and the smell of the city. Like Shibuya smells awful, right? It smells awful. And all the concrete, there's not, there's not a plant to be seen anywhere, but it's still so clean. And again, everyone is kind of like able to work in these, this kind of small areas in this controlled chaos to live their lives. It's super fascinating. So okay. that's how I say how it, it has a huge influence on me. Just, yeah, walking yeah. around every day. Yeah. yeah. And also you can go to different parts of Tokyo and it's, it's very different. Um, you know, you can go to like Kagurazaka. So I said that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that's way different. Otaiba is a lot different. Um, Shinjuku is kind of like Shibuya, but it's more like the, or it's like the back end of kind of like Japanese society and what happens, like all this crazy stuff that happens. You can go to Setagaya and it's way more like probably chill and more family oriented, but it's still like cool places to hang out. And then you can go to like Ueno or Asakusa. And I love those places. It's a little more like 
Edo style, like old style Tokyo in the east side. And it's just, you can get all these different flavors. And I love all of it, honestly. And Shibuya gets a little tiring, like I live here. So being able to be like, all right, I'm getting out of Shibuya today. I'm going to go to Asakusa and like chill by the Sumida River. I, I that all the, the fact that there's so many flavors has a big influence on me too. So yeah, I like the city. Yeah. Like uh, favorite places to go? Um, I really like. I really actually do like Asakusa, but not 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 Sensoji necessarily, but more like being by the river around there. Um, I like hanging out there sometimes. Um, I do also enjoy going to the galleries in Amate Sando and Harajuku. There'll be these. The, so many little fashion boutique stores and then they'll have a gallery in the back that you can go check out. I think that's really cool. I like hanging out in those areas. And then, um, I mean, we're in Yogi Park right now, but I'm at the basketball court all the time. I like to play basketball there. Those are some of my favorite places. If, if I had to think of one more, I do like Ueno and I like Shinobazu Koen a lot just because I like the river and all the plants and that's, you'll, you'll just see all different kinds of people. You'll see like uh, like underground idol girls doing a performance in the amphitheater area and then they'll be coming out and their handlers will come or their boyfriends are coming and then you'll, you'll just be chilling there. I don't know. Yeah, those are some of my favorite areas. Yeah. Okay, so I want to know about like a process of your artwork. Sure. So from, yeah, roughly. Yeah, so from like a beginning to like... Sure. To, you know, yeah. So I'd say um, there's two really things I do which would be, well, I guess it's three, but... Um, it's my music and my music performance, which is really an audio-visual performance. And then the books I make right now, I make art scenes. So for the audio-visual performance, what I like to do is um, take video from around Tokyo. And then I will, I use a program called Touch Designer. It's pretty popular um, in audio-visual space. And I'll use it to modify the video. Um, what the kind of theme I'm interested in currently um, is it's 2023, and I think our humanity is slowly being eroded by all the technology we use. I think it's a pretty common theme. I don't think it's a very unique thing, but it's something that really interests me. And all around us right now, there's electricity flying around, sending information around, you know, from satellites. And all the things that happen on the internet, they actually create a feedback loop in the real world that kind of corrupts. I, don't, I wouldn't say corrupts, but it the feedback loop changes how we think and live our lives in massive ways. A really easy example of that is like Pokemon Go. Like Pokemon, people just randomly show up in a bunch of places and I'm like, you know, that's the digital world really influencing this reality and it's so fascinating to me. So I'll use this Touch Desire tool to kind of warp this video of real life and then I'll, I'll put some other colors in it um, and I'll basically edit some of these videos uh, to match the songs I write, which is mainly electronic music. So, and then uh, when I play live, I will, sometimes it'll be actually auto-reactive live, and sometimes it'll be a pre-made video, and then I play my bass in my, you know, uh, I have a controller, I play live. So that's basically my process. Um, I'll go around a lot on my walks uh, around Tokyo, and I'll just take video of, of, thing, of scenes that look interesting, kind of like, probably like what you, something like you like to do, and, um, and I'll take some pictures too, and I'll try to incorporate that all. Uh, while also incorporating like really bold colors. I'm, I really like abstract painters, but I can't paint. So I try to combine those two kind of things uh, around the theme of our modern worlds being uh, really kind of by feedback loops from the digital world being modified. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing with my art books is I'm actually um, doing pretty much the same thing I just mentioned before, but I use Adobe InDesign to put to take some frames of 
the videos I make for my music videos and my live performances, and I'll put them, I'll modify them a little more, and I'll put them in my book. And then recently, I've been really inspired to write about the experiences I have just walking around and what, how I feel about living in this modern society, and also I would say living in um, the Tokyo area, pretty much. So that that's. I've enjoyed that, making that process so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating. So you pick up the music or after, right? So it depends on the... Oh, it depends. Sometimes I might write a track and I'm like, okay, I know what I want to do. Or sometimes, um, for one example, I was walking around Hanzomon one time, which is really beautiful area, honestly, and it's by Yasukuni Jinja. And like that area is really nice, I'd say. And I went and uh, after that, I was like, I took some video of like, the wind blowing some plants around and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a song like, kind of inspired by this video. So yeah, it, it, it can go both ways, definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay, but you like uh, decide like what kind of theme will be at the first way? Yes, yes. Then, okay. So like every work you made has some sort of... Like, yeah, yeah, so like, for example, the, the next book I'm working on, my, uh, my art zine, basically... Uh, I do have a theme, and right now the way I'm doing it is I kind of make my albums and live performances tied to a theme of my art scene. So my the next art scene I'm coming out with is called Old Enough to Know Better. And basically what that means is I've kind of reflected on my, I'm 31 now, I've kind of reflected on all the mistakes I've made up to this point. And I feel like I've, I'm like the best version of myself right now. So a lot of the, the what I write in the book and the visuals in my book have to do with that, and also the music and the audiovisual performances, they have to do, it's kind of hard to tie specifically to that theme sometimes visually, but they try to infer that the theme of like, there's so much I've learned in the past few years I probably should have learned when I'm younger. So that's, that's the kind of thing I'm writing about in my books and uh, my, my music is being influenced by that theme as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the, you're making the music but without the lyrics, right? That's right, yeah, I don't sing. I don't know how to write good lyrics, but I like writing. That's just what I've realized, actually. I, I'm really bad at writing. I don't know how to write good lyrics or interesting lyrics. I can sing, but I'm, I'm not really interested in singing. I've always liked instrumental music. So what I'm doing is in my art zine, I'm kind of writing my thoughts about the theme of the book and my, my ideas. Kind of like it's poetry, but it's also kind of just like uh, prose, like buncho. So... Yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. But no, I don't write lyrics because I don't know how to. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to write good lyrics. I mean, like, I, it's really interesting because uh, it sounds really difficult to, like, express, like, what you're like, thinking or, like, a theme, like, uh, without any, like, uh, you know, voice or anything. Right. It's a visual, right? Because when it comes to, like, this kind of filmmaking, right. it's pretty easy. I mean, like, it's not really easy, easy but, you know, like... Uh, Especially like right now, we are doing like uh, focusing on you, like so that's why I want you to tell me your story. Right. So it's really like a clear, clear cut, right? But when it comes to like uh, what you're doing, I feel like it's pretty like difficult, you know? Like uh, it's pretty but, like an abstract kind of yeah, thing approach yeah. I'm going for. Um, I do the visuals does help kind of explain what I'm trying to do. So like for one example is. Um, I got in a car crash when I was 25. It was actually one of the reasons I, that kind of spurred me on to be like, let's go to Japan. And it was a car, it was a car crash, it was my fault. Um, I was trying to get in another lane and then I didn't see the car in front of me stopping, so I crashed into them. And actually the cover of my book and one of the visuals for my songs 
it has like it's a picture of my car completely like destroyed <laughs> and like that's part of the theme right it's like i learned from this experience right like i learned and it, it influenced a lot of my life so things like that the visual component is really important yeah uh, okay. but I, yeah, I i agree with what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. you know even if we're like uh, i saw your work on instagram yeah. and i i think that was really cool but it's really difficult to catch what you're like uh, trying to tell like right you know, trying to show right yeah so yeah that's like uh but it's also interesting because mm. ev like uh, every single people have like a different like, uh, about so, I, so I actually agree with you. Um, for a while, I was making work, and I was like, "What am I? What is? What am I? Am I just kind of doing this?" And I was kind of just doing it for a while. I think the fact that I come out with the art zines now that are around a certain theme, and I'm starting to write in them, it, it's given me a lot of meaning to what I do because I can actually, with words, kind of kind of give more context to the feelings and ideas I have. Because you're right, I, I like for a while I was kind of like, yeah, I'm making this stuff. It looks cool. It sounds cool to me. But like, what is, what are the themes I really care about? Like, what are the ideas I want to have? And I think for a long time, you know, we grow. Up, I don't use Twitter or anything, but we kind of grow up in this era, at least as an American, where if you write something that could be considered offensive at all, like you're kind of destroyed by the internet, which I mean happens in Japan too, probably. But. Um, I was scared for a while, even not even just the internet, just people around me. Like, if they really see what I really think or like my deepest thoughts, like what will they feel? I've kind of gotten over that that fear now, so that's why I'm starting to write, and I'm really in my art scenes along with my visual work, and I'm really excited to keep doing that work in the future because of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you're right. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you are like uh, playing the instrument in front of the like, audience, like, yeah. in the show, yeah. Like, uh, how do you feel about it? How do you like it? It feels awesome. I'm kind of concentrating on the bass. So a lot of times when I'm playing, I close my eyes. But I know there's a lot of people in front of me. I, I'm not, I enjoy, I enjoy it a lot, actually. I feel pretty alive. I will say, though, the feeling before and after a show, I'm just like, this is Mendo Kasai. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, uh, it's, it's not that I'm scared. It's nothing like that. It's more like, oh, right, I got to prepare for that show. That's right. It's more like that. It's not like I'm scared. I, I enjoy getting on stage uh, and things like that. Um, but I just kind of feel, um, I've been playing bass long enough to kind of play what I want. So I'm kind of improvising a lot when I'm playing live. And peop, uh, it took me a while to get used to it. But people actually do like it. Like people are not just giving me compliments, you know, to be nice. They're actually like a lot of people, not everyone likes it, but you know, a lot of people come and talk to me and say how much they enjoy it. Uh, and they like my bass playing. And I, I recently played a show in Koenji uh, on top of a rooftop. And it was actually, it was kind of raining before the show. So we were like mopping up the stage off the rooftop before we started playing. And I played there and I didn't even have a projector for my visual. So I brought my screen there to place in front of me. And there was like 50 people on this rooftop playing and like the trains are coming by. It's like the two Osobus line. And I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. Like it was, that, that was one of my best experiences uh, playing in Japan. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I, I love it actually when I'm, I feel pretty free up there when I'm playing bass. Okay. Yeah. So did you still like, like doing that kind of stuff in front of the people when you're a kid? I mean, like when you're young? So that's, that's the interesting thing. I didn't play in a band at all in high school. I played a guitar at home and I played drums at home a lot, but I never played in a band. I think maybe part of that is because all my friends live pretty far away. It's kind of an excuse to be honest, but a lot of my friends who a lot of the people who played music in school weren't really my friends either. So like I, I was kind of friends with just like the nerds who played video games. 
and I just happened to play guitar too, I think. That's kind of what happened. So even when I started going to the do-it-yourself shows, these people were older than me. They were like in their 20s. So I, that was kind of intimidating. It was fine, but it was kind of intimidating to be like, let's play in a band together. So um, it really took to getting into college where I started playing with other people. And now since then in Japan, I played in a bunch of different bands and in New York as well, I did as well. So, uh, but I, the thing is, is I do pretty much work solo because I can kind of just do what I want. And if I don't feel like doing anything, I don't. I might start working on a new project soon where I have someone sing with me, uh, which will be interesting. I'll play, I'll play guitar, I won't play bass guitar. Uh, that might be something new for me. And I'm pretty excited about that, uh, working with someone else and having a singer, because I don't sing. I love singing. If you ever hang out with me in free time, I sing all the time actually, but uh, yeah, not when I'm playing live, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, first, like, uh, the first time you played a guitar in like an industrial was really like an intimidating, right? Right. So, but you got used to it. Yes, yeah. Okay, and then you were fine with it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So, do you also like a plan to do that kind of, keep doing that kind of stuff in the future? I think I, it really depends. If there's an interesting, I think for my solo music projects, I might start doing it less, but if like this kind of new project I'm thinking about where I'm gonna have a vocalist work with me, I think I will continue, if, the, if I keep finding projects that are inter interesting to me, where they're interesting live, and they're interesting music projects, I will keep doing my audiovisual live projects. And even if I don't do that, I'm gonna keep making art zines. I, I really am into making visuals on my computer or using my photography and writing to keep making my work. So I think I've been making music since I was 14, I'm 31, and I'm not a professional or anything, but I'm, I've, you know, after 15 years, it's kind of like, okay, I've done this thing. I kind of know what's going to happen. So especially with the zines, it's like completely new for me. I just started doing it last year and being able to kind of take some of the content I make with my music and my visuals and putting it in these books and also being able to write, which is new. That's what's really exciting to me. So you might, yeah, but I, I think for a while, I'll probably keep doing live performance with okay. my uh, audiovisual work in one way or another. Yeah. All right. So then I'm curious about like the process of making the music. You're making the arts and the music, right? Yeah. So is there any, like a similarity between two things? The, uh, the, the visual art and the music? Well, they are, they are connected. Uh, I would say it's either from an image or uh, an image or video I took that I get inspiration to make the music, or I um, might start writing a track uh, that's either, I might be inspired by synthesizer sound or something I was whistling, just walking around, or a song I've heard, um, or just like a drum loop. And then I'll just kind of go from there. And the kind of style of music I write is kind of like, it's like uh, electronic music from like, kind of like Apex Twin or Square Pusher, plus I kind of like video games, so, I don't really know how people tell me my video my music sounds like video games sometimes. I don't really know why to be honest. My music doesn't sound like a Mario game or anything, but um, apparently there's that influence. So, but basically the the process will be um, it'll take me like a, a week or two to make a track, and then making the video um, might happen after that where I have the music. I'm like, okay, I know where I want to have these kinds of visuals set up in these parts of the songs. But if I'm starting from the visual. Um, I might just be experimenting around in Touch Designer, which is the main tool I use. I might just be experimenting around with some video I took, processing the video, and maybe getting a really cool result out of it. And then I might be inspired from that to like, oh, okay, this would be cool with this kind of song. So that's, that's usually how I work. Okay. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. 
I'm really bad at doing that kind of stuff because the making the music or making the art is gonna be like um, zero to one work, right? Yeah. Because, but the filmmaking, especially like the music videos, there's already like uh, the music, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna shoot it based on it. Right, right. right. So yeah, I'm really like uh, I respect that. Yeah. yeah, I cannot do that. Uh, well, so actually, it's funny though what you said though, because at the end though, it ends up being. I do have a zero to one work, but then I do throw something on top of it that's like already kind of inspired from it. So it's kind of similar to what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing like a one to like a hundred or like a hundred, but zero to one is super hard for me. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I've tried to like make a music mm-hmm. back in like a high school or college, but it didn't work out really well. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, I'm also like a creative person, I'd say. Yeah. And uh, sometimes uh, we have some like a difficulties to get over right we stuck in like like in one project and then we didn't know what to do like yes how yeah. you have that kind of experience and how you get over yeah this is a great question actually <laughs> so um there's a way to set up my audio performance where I play music live and actually the visuals happen live they're not pre-recorded and this is what all the artists I do respect they have these two computer setups and they they have visuals that, that are kind of set up but they actually react to the music live and it, I really and I'm still trying to learn how to do that and I know I can there's, there's tutorials everywhere but I just every time I try to do it I'm just like this is Mendo Kasai I'm not going to do it and I'm just going to pre-record my video so that's something I've really kind of gotten stuck on a lot where to really have it be audio visual, uh, audio reactive live. So the, the the visuals hear the music and they change based on that, on what my bass would be doing or maybe something I play on the keyboard. That's something that I've gotten stuck on. So it's something I'd like to do in the future. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm stuck on right now, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to like seeing your performance at the time. Oh, like, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds I'm great. so looking forward to it. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Sure. So, then about like uh, you're living in a social yeah. story. Uh, it might be a tough question for you, but uh, did you have any like, uh, uh, like Did you have any challenges to like uh, live in uh, Japan in general as uh, like a like a minority? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like a reason, well, I'm a minority. Yeah. yeah so um, <laughs> one thing that I have a huge advantage is I I'm fluent in Japanese, so. I guess I, the way to phrase it is when I'm interacting with people, people have to treat me like an adult, which helps me a lot. And because a lot of times, you know, you if, if you're a foreigner, you don't speak Japanese, you go to izakaya, it's kind of like, okay, they, there's no communication is really hard. So it's really awkward and kind of like have to lead the person like a child around. But there's nothing, I don't have that issue. So that's really, that's really nice. I'd say like what the, the challenge can be sometimes is... Um, and how would I say it? I guess this be like, I'm a real human being with emotions. I'm not like, I'm not just like a foreigner. I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, you know, our cultures are, are different, but I, I understand, like, honestly, and especially for me, I guess, being fluent and having been for a while, like, I understand, um, joge kanke, I understand, you know, hierarchical relationship. I understand kind of how you should act in certain situations. I understand the language. I understand everything that's going on around me all the time. So I think the difficulty is sometimes is people don't re- recognize that about me. They think I'm a, a tourist or something. And I understand that. I understand that. But um, 
that's kind of where the challenges come because I'm because I, I I don't understand Japan 100%, but I I feel like I know what's going on most of the time. So that's kind of the challenge I have, where it's just like I put in all this work to speak the language、um, and understand the place, and it's still kind of like that that、uh, work isn't really appreciated by kind of the people around me sometimes. That's the challenge I'd say the most. Yeah. yeah. Actually, oh. that's yeah. I realize that actually. But, I don't know. Most of the Japanese people like、uh, have the filter. Yeah. Like,、uh, I don't know. But, you know, we shouldn't like judge by their appearance. Like,、uh, you know, oh, they look like、uh, non-Japanese, so maybe they cannot speak Japanese, right? Well, I will say though, I understand that too, because、yeah. most people can't speak Japanese. So, yeah, like, know, but... especially people look like me. So, I understand. Like, it's it's a it's a real give and take. That's really interesting.、Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I think we shouldn't do that because you know, yeah, that. Yeah, actually, there used to be like a, you know more of a less diversity country here. Yeah. But、uh, right now, there are like many people, like half people, like、uh, yeah. They'll,、uh, their parents are not Japanese, but they're grew they're grown up in here.、Mm-hmm. Like they go to like a normal like a Japanese right right or something like that. So we have to like、uh, update <laughs> that kind of stuff as well. But、uh, there, yeah, there are still like、uh, you know that kind of people are there, so it's kind of difficult to get changed. But I hope you didn't have any that kind of like、uh, bad experience about that kind of stuff. I think it's way worse in America、oh, for、really? for minorities. That I I still like. I'm a minority here. It's been it's it's interesting being a minority in Japan,、um, but at the same time. Like nothing nearly as bad has happened to me as some of the things that happen in my home country to minorities. So I like, I I'm very grateful to live here. It's a very very nice country.、Um, it's very easy to live my life here, especially if you speak the language. I'd say like,、yeah. so I, I'm enjoying my、yeah. my life here. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. No. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs>、uh, yeah, actually I've heard someone's like say,、uh, maybe like he or she can really like speak really great like Japanese. And but、uh, every time, like、uh, especially like they get into the bus, like if he or she like、uh, didn't know how to like、uh, pay, it, but but she can like、uh, speak really great.、Mm-hmm. But the the bus driver say like like no no right like, no yeah you no know. yeah but, like she said like、uh, oh just like be normal just yeah I can understand so sometimes、right. that kind of like is you know. Situation like you know make her feel a little bit not like really bad, but yeah, she said she could understand you know that kind of thing. Well, I, that's funny you bring. So I, I stories like this happen to foreigners all the time. I think who who speak Japanese who are minorities here. So I have a funny story that um, in Miyashita Park there was like a Nihonshu festival, and I was just walking around. I was like, oh, there's a Nihonshu festival going. This is cool. So I walk up to one of the booths and I'm I'm speaking Japanese and I'm asking I'm asking the woman. Um, how, how can I just buy Nihonshu? And she's starting to tell me in Japanese, "Oh, you need to go buy a token from the main booth." But the guy, the guy in the booth next to her, another Japanese guy, just starts going, "Obazera, obazera." And I turn to him and I go, "I'm not talking to you." And I keep and, and I keep talking to her, and then she starts going, "Obazera, obazera." And, and I'm like, "I was just talking to you in fluent Japanese." Like, what? And, I, and so I just left. I was like, so stuff like that just kind of happens, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I don't. I, those things are gonna happen." That's just I kind of accepted it. Okay. 
Exactly. Those things are going to happen sometimes. <laughs> but it didn't make you feel like uh, in a sad way. Well, it made me feel mad. Yeah, it made me feel a little mad. I mean, people were dis disrespecting me. They weren't respecting that I spoke Japanese. But I can't let it bother me too much, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, actually, we are done. Do you have anything to say? Like, uh, oh, okay. Oh, I wanted to ask you about like uh, learning languages. Sorry. Sure, sure. Because, uh, maybe there are some viewers who watch this content are interested in Japan and planning to move to Japan sure. or live in Japan. But yeah, I think most of the like, uh, uh, people are really afraid to fit in. I get to like be able to fit in, or you know, as a and then language barriers or anything like that. Sure. So, I mean, it's really like a boring question, or like how to do about like Japanese. Oh no no! Like, I love how, talking about this. Yeah, actually. How hard that was, and then how did you get reach that level? Sure. So I think I love learning languages. Like I, I I'm not fluent in Chinese or Mandarin, but I speak some Mandarin too. And really, what it comes down to is. You being interested enough in the culture, some part of the culture where you want to keep learning the language. Um, so for me, the way I, I studied it is I, I had classes in high school, but my 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 uh, high school had Japanese, but I didn't really learn anything, just to be honest. But um, after I did my homestay, I really wanted to learn more about Japanese. And basically what I did is you can get a textbook that will teach you grammar and the basic words. And then kind of one and once you kind of get that basic level down, it basically comes down to um, using a spaced repetition software like Anki. It's super, super well known, Anki SRS, and using a vocabulary deck on there to basically every day study for at least ha uh, half an hour, just learning the vocabulary. And while you're doing that, you want to build your listening, too. So you, you want to either watch Japanese media or listen to podcasts. Um, what I was doing after college to keep my Japanese level up is I was listening to Japanese comedy on podcasts. I was listening to Baksho Mondai, which, which I still like. And again, I didn't understand anything at first, but I kind of, what really listening is so important, I think, because you can spend all this time in your brain trying to do the math problem of how do I say this in Japanese, but if you just hear Japanese people say it a thousand times, you're like, oh, that's how you say, your, your brain will be like, oh, that's how I say this. And, in from English to Japanese and it just kind of is ingrained in your brain. So I'd say listening over and over and over to just media is super important too. That's probably the most important thing. So I'd say study the book after you get your basic level, get your basic grammar, um, use like a, a vocabulary deck with something like Anki that will space it out over time, uh, the review of the vocabulary and make sure the grammar is in there as well. And then also listen a lot. And the final thing is, so it, you might be somewhere, if you're watching this, where there's no Japanese people around you, um, read, it, when you're doing your review of the vocabulary, the sentences, read out loud, even if it sounds bad, and try to, try to use a software that will, after you review the card, read it back to you, so you can check your pronunciation. That's what I would recommend. So, but that's, those three things is what I'd recommend. Yeah. Okay. I was very lucky to have Japanese friends in New York, because I lived in that area. Um, who let me speak Japanese and would would correct me? Were nice enough to correct me. That I appreciate what people correct me. Um, it's it can be hard depending on where you live. Like if I was still in Missouri trying to live, learn Japanese, it'd be difficult. I think. I think the last thing I'd say though is you can come over here not knowing Japanese and you could still have 
like a great life. Still have like a lot of friends, Japanese friends and not Japanese friends. The advantage to having Japanese is you will just know what's going on all the time and you can participate in society more like an adult. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Okay. So. And I、uh, so I also need your advice though. Cause, okay. Because <laughs> maybe my English was a little bit better. I think your English is pretty good. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, but I feel like my English is getting rustier because you know、okay. I'm in Japan and I don't have much like a chance to use English. So、uh, do you still like、uh, keep learning? I mean, like keep studying at home Japanese? Or? Pretty much no. No. And the reason is I speak Japanese for like five hours of my job every day. I used probably the amount of vocabulary I use in my Japanese has gone down a little because I'm not studying as much. And I'm not, I used to read Japanese books in Japanese a lot.、Um, so, my, do you want my advice? I don't have any advice really,、uh, like, really? for that. Well, well, for you, it'd be, I guess, if, if it's for you, it's just start consuming more English based media again.、Oh, yeah. That's what I, and,、yeah. or, you know, hang out with me. Go get some drinks with me, you know? <laughs> We can speak I mean, English the whole time. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I did kind of pretty much the same like、yeah. what you did. Like,、uh, I tried to like,、uh, read an English book, I tried to watch some movies in English. And yeah, at first I had no idea what yeah, they were、yeah. saying, but yeah, it's getting like, better. You just hear, you start hearing words,、yeah. and you're like, oh, that word. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you eventually hear the grammar, and it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. I, Try to like avoid the Japanese contents with, right when I was living in Vancouver. So, yeah, that helped me a lot. so It's funny now, now I have a balance where a lot of the media I listen to is English,、oh, to、yeah. be honest. And a lot the books I read now are English, but I have Japanese friends, I have a Japanese job,、uh, speaking job. So, it's just kind of, I get both. And I don't. I don't I, I sometimes worry about my Japanese, but then I go into a business meeting and I speak Kago for an hour and I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like、uh, maybe like、uh, you have more like、uh, you have more chance to use Japanese rather than English、right? in a daily? My daily life, it depends on who I'm hanging out with.、Um, so, like, after I'm done hanging out with you, I'm going to hang out to my friends from Kobe and we, and we will speak Japanese the whole time because they,、uh, they don't know English as well. And that's fine. And then after that, I'll probably go to a party and I will probably be hanging out mainly foreigners and I'll just speak English. So, it just depends on the day, you know? Like, I, get, I think there's equal opportunity. For me to use both. I'd say just in my private time lately, I've been consuming a lot more English media. Um, um, yeah. Because I'm really curious about like,、uh, if you like, keep like, speaking Japanese, your English is、like, getting rustier. Oh, my, I would say there, <laughs>、oh, was a, there was a time I did feel that way. Probably when I first moved, probably like a year and a two. I mean, the second year I lived in Kobe, so I've been in Japan for five years, lived in Kobe for two years. I was like, when I'd speak English sometimes, my parents on the phone, I was like, what did I just say? It didn't make sense, but it, it was very unnatural. So, but what I do now is, I mean, I do consume a lot of English media and I read a lot of English books. So I kind of, actually, my English vocabulary is starting to go up again, which is, feels nice.、Um, my Japanese vocabulary might be going down a little bit, but. Yeah, just like being bilingual, like you, like it's just like balancing out your opportunities to use both of them. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And if you feel like, if you really feel like it's getting bad, just start studying again. Like, I, there are sometimes I'm tempted to go back and like st- study Japanese for like 30 minutes a day just to get my vocabulary back up. There's, when I watch, when I can read a newspaper, I, I pretty much know what the article says. 
Um, and I can watch a movie and I know 90% what the same, but sometimes they say something. I'm like, I don't know that word. I, I don't know. So there, there are opportunities, there are things where that happens sometimes. So. Oh, that's interesting. Even it's a native like a language. <laughs> oh no, I'm talking about Japanese, I guess. English, English is no problem, but with Japanese. I mean, like, but you say like uh, you realize that your English is might be got. Worse. It did get worse. Yes. Oh yeah, it got worse. Because so yeah, I when I lived it so. That's interesting. At the like when I moved to Kobe, I knew immediately. Okay, this is Kobe, right? It's not Tokyo. It's not a huge city. I knew immediately that. I'm gonna have to talk to people in Japanese. People are not. People are gonna think I speak English, and pretty much in my, all my jobs, are, I didn't really use English that much at all. Maybe I typed some emails when I was, or like do some uh, some interpretation when I was a project manager, but it was basically Japanese all the time. So for a while, and I was still really consuming Japanese media at that time. So yeah, like I wasn't really using English at all, except like. Maybe I'd when I hang out with some of the foreigner friends I met, and then maybe call my parents, but it was all Japanese. Now the balance is way different, I think. So yeah, it's a little different now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Do you have anything to say, like at last? Is there any tale about? I like living in this country. Oh yeah. I like Japan. It can be complicated sometimes, but there's also a really rich art community and music community, and there's so many different things to do here. So. I don't plan on moving back to my home. To my home, I probably will live here until I die. To be honest, um, it's really nice living here. Um, I really enjoy the relationships I'm able to people here, and I think of it as my home. I don't think of the states as my home anymore, just because my work and my life and my friends are here. So yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> okay.